Salutation Shades, and welcome back to your one-stop shop for all things strange and unusual talking with shadows. The conversation everyone has, but no one wants to admit to. Here with your host, Vic Whaley. And Marcus Dean. It has been a while since we <laughs> have been back in the studio. Life has definitely come at us quick. I, I don't feel like it's my place to illuminate the no. listeners. Yeah, no. <laughs> Would you like uh, to? Yeah, well, like some of our listeners know this. Uh, my wife and I were in the process of adopting, and uh, I just... One day back in one day back in June, we were playing a game of Dungeons and Dragons, and we got the call saying that there was a five year old little girl for us to adopt. And since June seventeenth, we've been parents. <laughs> Just uh, yeah, so that definitely uh, definitely been in dad mode uh, for for <laughs> the amount of time. So uh, yeah, she's she's awesome. Uh, I love her so much. Uh, I've been a dad here for I think pushing forty five days. Uh, she loves the movie Frozen. Uh, which means that I have watched the movie Frozen a hundred million times. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty so, sure that's an exact number. I'm uh, pretty sure that is. You ever watched a Disney movie so many times? You just start rooting for the bad guy out of just, uh, <laughs> just out of I tend just out to, of spite. I tend to kind of like Disney villains. No, just just out of just out of spite. So, like, who's the one from like the Princess and the in the frog, Dr. Fistero or something like that. Fet, doctor, why Why are we not being able to watch this the other well, day? Whoever it is, I really Fabian. like that villain. Also, uh, the the villain from Hunchback, also super cool. Yeah. Fab, well, no, I remember the one from Princess the Frog. That was uh, Fabius Bile that made the, the chaos, <laughs> oh space, chaos Space Marine. No, wrong. You're getting your lores confused. I'm getting my lores confused. I've been in, I've been in a daze. Uh, just being a parent, you get this exhaustion that just nobody can understand <laughs> unless you've just been a parent. <laughs> Um, that's just the best way just to describe it. But real late at night here on a Sunday, so we are going to do an episode because Vic got with me and said we have to do an episode. So yep. <laughs> it's been about a month since our last episode, guys. Uh, if you are tuning with us now with our last episode, what we did was we wrapped up describing the timeline for the Mothman events in Point Pleasant. And it's a really, really, really great two episodes if you have not watched it. Like, we just... Go from start to finish for all these weird series of events that Keel goes and investigates, and it and we bring up some really interesting, I think, some information about uh, about the Point Pleasant phenomenon. And so I, I definitely encourage you guys to go check it out. And so we have some comments from from these that I really want to get to for this. One uh, from my cousin Barbara, actually patron. Uh, says something, by the way, Barbara, says, uh, what if Mothman is a fallen angel? One who did not pick a side. Uh, Thomas E. Snugums, Snugowski, uh wrote a series on this. Uh, could he be one of the messengers? Imagine doing something for a millennium and then nothing. Just a random thought. As far as human thoughts manifesting some of these beings, sure. If enough people turn their thoughts to belief, they can and will manifest it. I don't think all of this can be attributed to it, though. Oh, yeah, this isn't the first time I've heard, like, the fallen angel argument for Mothman. I mean, I don't think it's that unviable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, 
Mothman's a bit of a just pure on anomaly, and it does kind of fit within that uh, that story set. I mean, I don't think there's specifically any angels that didn't pick a side mentioned, but I, I think I think it works. I think it works. Uh, so Dino Benton, uh, patron, said, "So glad my Mothman art got on there. Still amazes me the amount of views these videos get." Makes me proud of myself, but also proud of you guys to see how many people you reach with the podcast. Keep believing, folks. They'll keep listening like the paranormal discussing badasses that they are. Oh, like total sweetheart. Uh, one that I really like very much. Vic and Marcus arguing about whether or not we should kink shame people was something I thought I needed. Uh, but was cl- uh, didn't think I, was not something I thought I needed, but was certainly welcomed. I am I am glad we were able to provide a lively argument yes. on should one kink shame or not. Yeah, if you really want to get the, the whole what happened in that, definitely check out that episode. Uh, what was that last episode? Yeah, it was in the yeah, it was in the, it was in the second part. Mm-hmm. Uh, Skull Morris says, "Any idea why they call them flaps?" Okay, um, this flaps. is a term that. Uh, I kind of inherited the use of it because a lot of the kind of more old school investigators from the generation before me use the term flaps. Don't quote me on this, but I believe it may have come from John Fort, but I'm not certain on that. But flaps just basically mean like a series of sightings. Most people use it in the UFO field. I use it for any sort of um, Strange occurrences that occur within a like certain given period of time. Gotcha, gotcha. So that's really neat. It's kind of like a unique way to describe like a Mothman sightings calling them flaps. I like that. We should bring that back. I like that. Oh, I use it all the time on here. Yeah, that's pretty cool. But you're so used to me saying it's probably just in one ear and out the other. <laughs> so, all right. So today for today's episode, guys, we thought that we would go, we would kick it back old school a little bit. By the way. Don't think that we have not forgotten about the UFO people coming out, talking about, like, alien stuff that we found on stuff. We've got that, too. I'm digesting breaking that down. That's coming up. That's coming up soon. Probably going to be next episode. But anyway, uh, we thought we would take a little old school and, and get really dive into, like, a cryptid. You know, like, we're, like, we really like to sink our teeth into. And Vic and I were talking about a topic idea, and we came up with Megalodon because we think oh, that's... Yeah. A really, a really awesome, famous cryptid nowadays that most people probably don't even know is a cryptid, and but they still talk, but they still talk about it. Oh yeah, the the patrons on the Discord were like, talk about something prehistoric, and yeah. I'm like, yeah, sure. I mean, honestly, I would argue that I think Megalodon is quickly, I think, taking over like sightings of the Loch Ness monster as being one of the most famous aquatic cryptid sightings. Yeah, I mean. Luckness monster sightings have been falling off in popularity. Yeah. Um, also, like, how long does a plesiosaur live? I, I feel I, like I maybe don't know. not that long. But I think sharks. <laughs> I think sharks can uh, can outlive them. So I think that I think that's because that's that's really what I think, and that's why I think it's really cool that we can that we can tackle the megalodon and really sort of like give some of our two cents. Maybe talk a little bit about why the megalodon has crept up in popularity so much. I don't think there's many people. The meg, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it goes back further than. Well, I think it goes back further than just the meg too. But I mean, I think that there's, uh, I think there's something to that, and we can talk, and so we can talk a little bit more uh, about that. Well, I mean, sharks have always felt like really held human fascination. It doesn't mm-hmm. surprise me that movies like the Meg, which I've never seen. And Jaws, which I have seen but only vaguely remember, captivate audiences. I mean, if I recall correctly, like, weren't there, like, shark 
worship among like Nicaraguans in the indigenous population. Well, people have been worship. I mean, every coastal people worship that. I mean, they worship sharks. And I mean, some, or to had little story, surprise, or had stories involving in, involving sharks in some way, shape, or form. Oh okay, yeah, they're and they're so, captivating creatures. I mean, truthfully, I think half the reason Shark Week's so popular is it's just kind of cool to see them swimming around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think I was. I remember when I was a kid. And we would go to the Children's Museum in Indianapolis. They would often have shark exhibits. And I often found myself being way more excited to to learn more about sharks than I was actually about dinosaurs. Oh, when, yeah. When I, was a, when I was a real little kid, uh, just because stuff absolutely just totally, even though in real life, I'm absolutely terrified of going into the ocean <laughs> um, because most people don't, are not aware of this. Um, but I'm actually a shark attack survivor. Um, uh, but for those of you who are tuning in on YouTube, yeah. I am giving Marcus a look. Here. I never told. I never told. Yes, I'm. I am a shark attack survivor. Oh wait, I know this joke. Yeah. Okay, please. Continue. Because I have never. Because I don't go into the ocean to get attacked by a shark. That is how I survived that oh, attack. Oh man, that is so bad. I am also partially a bear attack survivor as well. Oh, <laughs> for man. not going into the woods. Yep. Also. I, I, on the other hand, love the ocean. Absolutely well, adore it. Sea creatures are freaking awesome. The most important way to love something is sometimes just to let it go. <laughs> just let it go. Uh, just this, this, no, the sea is the shark's home. That is not human's home. We don't have gills. That's why we don't belong in the ocean. I will say, in actual or actuality, sharks are freaking terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um I was snorkeling off a reef once. I can't even remember where it was. I was like 13. And I got lost in this big reef. And you you can get turned around in a reef pretty quick. Mm -hmm. And I finally find a way out. And I realize, oh, crud, I'm at the part where it drops off in the ocean. And I need to get back into the reef now so I don't get sucked (laughs) out to sea. But I do look down because there's this moment that I'm considering. um, There's a possum. It just left. It, there's this window across from us, and a possum just dropped down into it, looked at me, and walked off. And by the time... Okay, total aside, <laughs> there's a possum in that window right there. Okay, okay, back to sharks, back to sharks. <laughs> How hillbilly are you? You just stopped to go, there's a possum over there. you got to look at it over there. we got to stop what we're doing. There's a possum I'm so right sorry. There. It was very unprofessional, but... It was also kind of cool. That was... I didn't know I had possums. <laughs> okay, okay. You didn't know Indiana had possums? I didn't know I had possums at my house. We live, we're in Indiana. <laughs> They're outside. They're our state animal. Okay. <laughs> moving on, moving on. So, like, I look down kind of off the shelf beyond the reef, and there's this shark just hanging out down there, like, well below me, but, like, I just kind of go, oh, f- oh, 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 F-bomb, F-bomb, and I just quickly just mm-hmm. dart back into the reef. I do eventually find my way back back and survive the ordeal. <laughs> that's that's exactly how you survive a shark attack by flailing like like a I bad person 13. in the water. I was thirteen. <laughs> that's, I thought you were a survival instructor. 
Uh, not when I was 13, oh, okay. I wasn't. Okay. <laughs> I don't even know if I was that old. Like, I might have been like 12. I, did you cut yourself to bleed into the water to try to leave, leave a trail to see if it would, to see if the blood would scare it away, too? Yes, yes. Yeah. I, definitely, <laughs> oh I definitely did that. Okay, Megalodon. Okay. So, Giant shark, largest shark ever to live. Yes, yeah. So it comes, uh, I think most scientists that agree that it, that we know of, that it comes from this uh, Cenozoic era about two million years ago. Uh, and allegedly went extinct in the Pleistocene. I think epoch? it's Pleistocene. Pleistocene. I'm pronouncing that terribly wrong. I know that don't, I'm pronouncing don't worry. that right. Dark Phoenix will correct us. I know. <laughs> uh, please do that. Uh, and for actual like, and people debate the scientists debate the actual size of the megalodon, and they'll have it in estimates anywhere between 34 feet up to. I saw stuff up to 67 feet long. That's a big like just for sheer scale, 60 feet. Is a bowling alley, just to put this into perspective for people. So, you, most of you, because I think that's an issue that's going to come up through the rest of this, uh, for through the rest of this uh, episode, is the concept of humans having an inability to measure size accurately. So, to give you a full visual about what this thing could be the size of, think bigger than a bowling alley, like like lane. Sorry, bowling lane. Sorry, a lane in a bowling alley. That's a big fish. That's a big fish, and its teeth are up to seven inches long. It's a big tooth. Yeah. Like, uh, and a lot of people think that they're actually related to great white sharks. Um, Which maybe is true, but maybe. probably not. But I, I was I like this. I was watching the scientist talk about it in a YouTube video, and he was talking about, well, great white sharks, the way that they'll, 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 they'll come up under something to get at the soft underbelly. He goes, Megalodon will just bite straight <laughs> through the thing, trying to puncture its lugs. And I'm like, that's like shark for F around and find it. <laughs> There is there is no hunting. There is no ambushing you when you're 67 feet long. You just catch it and crush it. That is your attempt. Yeah, I think like the megalodon got bounced around through a few different families, mm-hmm. kind of with them like be like, oh, the tooth is more similar to this, more similar to that. But one of the issues is it's a cartilaginous fish, and they don't leave a huge amount of fossils. What the? What is a cartilaginous? What is that? You're making up words again. Cartilaginous? You are cartilage. Make, you're making up words, okay. <laughs> cartilaginous. It's a cart- cartilage fish. You know, rays, skates, sharks. They don't really have so much bones as they do have cartilage support structures. Mm-hmm. So that might be the reason about why there's no actual, like, megalodon bones uh, in, uh, in museums. For the most part, as I understand, what gets reserved is um, the jaws, the teeth, and the spine. Mm-hmm. And that's mainly because uh, the cartilage is, I, I, th- I think it's because the cartilage is thick enough in the spine to mm-hmm. like keep shape and survive to become a fossil. Yeah. Now, I, I'm not 100% certain on that, but that's how, how I believe it works. Yep. <coughs> so, one of the things that I was really... That I that I thought that was that I that I thought that was really interesting about the megalodon was a way that it crept into cryptozoology and it kind of sort of crept up into the the world of the weird was that people were finding its teeth. Now keep in mind you these are seven inches long, so a lot of people when they initially found these teeth thought that what they had found were uh, fossilized petrified tongues of like dragons <laughs> like and like these other giant prehistoric uh snakes and things like that for these other like mythological type creatures the earliest paleontologists yeah. here just finding these giant set these giant teeth like no nah, there's no way something there was there's no way this is, there's no way this is a 
tooth. This this is a petrified tongue, buddy. Yeah, I hate to tell you, but that's tooth. <laughs> yeah, and so it was. It was sixteen seventy sixteen sixty seven. It was a Nicola Steno who first started telling people that these were not dragon tongues. <laughs> these are these are shark teeth, uh, and was pointing that out. And that's kind of when people sort of had these aha moments um, for that. I just thought that was really. I just thought that was really. I didn't know there was that sort of a, a connection that the megalodon had in the cryptozoology in the like in the world. I thought it was kind of. I thought that was kind of neat. I think one of the most striking things from researching this is, I kind of feel like a lot of YouTubers have really dropped the ball, oh, it's so and a awful. lot of bloggers have oh, really it's dropped so awful. the ball. Okay, like there were ones where, um, like. The person's talking about, oh, this is, look at this body of this megalodon. It's being pulled up in Malaysia, yada, yada, yada. Look look how big it is. And I just look at it, and the markings are speckled. The head is not pointed. It's kind of round. It's obviously a whale shark. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just watching this, and I'm like, that is just obviously a whale shark. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of them like that. Now, do I think all of them are that way? No, but it's important to weed out the obvious fakes. Right, right. And or, yeah, or if it's there's not, a lot of that. Or if it's not the whale shark, it's the basking shark. Yeah, basking shark, shark's or, another really common which, one. Which looks a little bit more... When people try to say there's no way that's a whale shark, usually what they're convincing into the basking shark. And the and to be fair, the basking shark, if you, if you look at a photo of it, looks a little bit more sharky and looks a little bit more like a megalodon, yeah. except for the mouth because uh, it does not have those teeth. So it would be like if a megalodon grandma lost all of his teeth and was trying to gum you to death like that, then maybe it was a megalodon. Like, I could actually totally get someone who's pretty uninformed about, uh, like, sharks or marine life and things like that, seeing something like a basking shark. Because it does look more like a predatory shark, where Mm -hmm. a whale shark really doesn't. Right. So, like, I kind of consider it a bit forgivable. It's kind of like a, did you see the... um, satellite images of megalodons and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 I've seen them. Well, there's a bit of a debate on how big those would actually be, and some of the more conservative puts them in the range of being actually basking sharks. And I think that that's likely what they might have caught in that situation well, is basking sharks. Well, the thing is, is a basking shark only gets up to 26 feet. So this ties back into my... It's still very big. big. That's a big... That's a big ass shark. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie on that. But again, going back to like their estimates of how big one of these sharks have to be, you're talking 36 feet to 67 something feet, and so people are like confusing, thinking this is some sort of megalodon, and they're not even at the bottom range. That would be like a baby megalodon or like a juvenile megalodon, and and, and whatnot. So, and also, I think a lot of those photos they have a hard time being able to guess like. Size, like size comparison to what, like, to something in some of those yeah, satellite yeah. photos like, could be. Like, the lower range of the length that they felt that it could be would place it within the range of it just being a basking shark. Another thing that I think that um, confuses the situation is great whites can get very big. Also, yes, they can. Like, very, very big. I, most great whites don't really get. Uh, a much bigger than around 15, 16 in that, that teen area. But there are situations where they have gone beyond that. Yep. Um, there was Deep Blue, which mm-hmm. was uh, well in the 20s, I think like 21 yep. feet. 
And then there's one other that I don't quite recall the name of that was like roughly maybe a foot longer than that. Mm -hmm. But those are pretty big creatures. You think 22 feet in the moment around a predator, I could see that also being a case of mistaken identity. Mm -hmm. Now, with that being said, there are some cases that I think are more viable for something outside the known fossil record. So pulling up a uh, pulling up an article here from uh, science.org citing my sources thank you very much anyway nice yeah anyway the largest white shark me- uh, reliably measured was 21 feet long mm-hmm. uh, from Cuba but uh, bites from carcasses found off southern Australia suggest that there are great white sharks that are as large as 25 to 26 feet that probably exist today like uh, truthfully I don't think that that's too far out of the range should not be believable. No, I don't. Yeah. And, like, I would actually buy that that's a thing in, that some great whites do get very large. And sure. One of my thoughts was it's probably not even that outside the realm of biological possibility for there to be ones that have genetic anomalies to make them even larger. But one of the things I did notice on... Okay, there's a lot of terrible fakes. There's a lot sure, of terrible fakes. Sure, so just sure. cutting it. Um, out of the ones that are more viable, they were almost all caught by accident by work cameras. Sure. Um, did you see the um, the one where it's... I think it's a drill. It's towards the bottom of a shelf. They're uh, recording. And then it's not very spectacular. But a very large fin and goes by and then a little bit later uh you can see the tail fin go by you don't see the full creature mm-hmm. but you just see those swoop by the it was just a robot basically um working on some repairs at the bottom of the ocean the camera's on it it's recording to say how far to say how deep it was um it was not like marianas level deep but it was the bottom it was towards the bottom of the shelf i think it was probably not more than four thousand okay i mean that's still pretty Deep for yeah, I mean that's still pretty deep for. I I don't remember the exact. Yeah, it's in the max range that a great white could get to. Yeah, it it was kind of on the the max where they've been recorded being. Um, People analyzing it based on timing and things in the footage. They've had some scientists look in this, and some of them are like, "Well, it would be very hard to classify anything." But it does look bigger than what I would expect it to be. It does seem larger than what I would believe a great white could get to. Sure. But you um, but you can't compare megalodon habits, like location habits, no, no, to a great white. Most people want to do that, but they're not in the same family. Yeah. So mo- and megalodons weren't deep sea sharks. No, they, they wanted to stay in warm coastal waters, so they're typically staying off the coast of certain things. Like they're still like off the coast of like Australia. I think the U.S. too, but don't hold me to that. I know Australia. Don't, but don't. I'm pretty positive in the U.S. too. But. Yeah, I'll go ahead and just jump to kind of part of my conclusion. Sure. I don't think megalodons are still around. I think that there is a case to be made that there is a large mystery shark out there that is non-documented mm-hmm. that hunts in deeper water that does not come close to the shore very sure. often and sure. is a darker color. I think there's a case to be made for that. But I don't think it's the Megalodon. No, I don't. I really think the Megalodon 
is very, very likely to be extinct. So we, like, we just, in, in this this thought process, like, outside of just, I think most people generally would agree that the ocean is just so deep, there's probably animals in there that we don't know. Oh, certainly. Like, the Megamouth shark was, dis- like, I almost, I hate saying discovered, because people probably have known it's been around, but, like, scientifically had evidence of it in 1976. So, I mean, within the last 50 years, they've discovered a massive shark. It's still swimming around down there, and it probably could if you're swimming around at the bottom of the of the bottom of the ocean, like as a filter feeder, like as a megamouth shark or a, a basking or a great or a, a whale shark type type thing. It would be very easy for them to live down there. Oh yeah, um, megalodons megalodons couldn't do that. They needed to be in the warmer water. Yeah, and also like the extinction of the megalodon kind of flows a little too well. Microplants start disappearing. That creates less krill. The megalodon mainly fed on primitive wells that were smaller than our current wells, but without the krill to feed on, their numbers start to fall. Then you see the megalodon starting to phase out of the fossil record. Mm-hmm. About the time they start phasing out, you start to see uh, those marine mammals starting to come back. Eventually, mm-hmm. there's a second hit of those microplants. You see a big boom in krill, and you see whales now just exploding in population sure. and being able to evolve to the much larger shapes. But one thing I would really like to point out here, although I don't think the Megalodon survived, its niche definitely remained. Um, like, th- it did go through a point where its strategy was not viable. And I think the Megalodon died off during that point. Sure. But its niche did persist. Something else could have come and filled that niche later on, uh, which could be where this mystery shark may have developed. Mm-hmm. But... I just don't think it's a meg. They, I feel like unless they've changed their behavior dramatically to hunting in totally different areas, which is kind of hard to believe, evolutionary large alpha predators sure. usually don't pivot well when there's major environmental changes. Sure. They usually die. Right. Um, and I, the, I'm going to make the, I'm gonna, I, the argument as to why I don't think that megalodon could still, could still exist today is I don't think they would actually be the apex predator. I think orcas would hunt them to extinction. If they're if they're sharing the range, yeah. Well, think if, if megalodons are still in that coastal range, yeah. I think you're probably it, right. They have to live off the thing about it. They have to live off warm water and the coast. It's already known that orcas live on every well, they that orcas live in every single ocean. Yeah, megalodons could go through a wider range of cold than people give them credit for, but orcas definitely can. Sure, too, even yeah. Than what and they so can. you're talking about you're talking about on the low scale for a megalodon, thirty seven feet. You're talking about a pod of orcas that are all thirty something plus feet that hunt great whites. Oh yeah. So you're talking a pod of orcas could easily kill even a giant. 60 foot 60 foot megalodon they would they would they would kill it they oh, would yeah. they would they, and they have and we there's already been enough research to show like how their their hunting practices for great white sharks i'm like i bet you that orcas probably could do something the equivalent of that oh you know it wouldn't surprise me i mean orcas are social they can fight in groups they've proven to be extremely clever mm-hmm. it would not be stunning to me that like if you did drop them into the world right now as it is that they would have a hard time competing with orcas. Mm-hmm. And also possibly dealing with... Uh, okay, I feel like back in their day when whales were smaller, I, I feel like if they tried to take a bite of a sperm whale, <laughs> the sperm whale's going to turn around and go, yes, 
The Megalodon's a badass, but the sperm whale's, like, nothing they really had to deal with. <laughs> like, I think they... I think like the Levi Leviathan mm-hmm. came after the um, after the Megalodon was believed to have disappeared. I if they, I'm incorrect, I they, I maybe they, there was some overlap. I thought they competed the, the same. I thought they competed at the same time. If they did, it would have been like towards the end. end there yeah. might have been a little overlap, but I think most of the Leviathan and the Leviathan also died out too. It, it didn't. It didn't last. But maybe they had overlap, and yeah, that thing probably would just wrecked one. I just feel like they. Mm-hmm. Would not have been able to stand up to it. Yeah, so this is just one of the issues that I've had. But with, even just competing with great whites, I don't think that they could really compete with them. Yeah, I also think I have a hard time believing that. I think that, I think that there would be the food that they'd have to eat would probably be gray whales. I think that's probably what they would be. I think they'd be after gray whales, humpback whales, things no, to, dolphins. yeah, seals, walruses. Well, the thing is, they're super high calorie content. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that if that was the case, I think that we would be seeing something. I I think that it would be harder for them to hide because I think that whenever you see some of these, like, massive, like, feeding frenzies things that, that, that go on above water, I think that probably something would have been caught. But that's just me. But that's just me. If I was going to try to make a case that they are around, I think I would have to probably go the route that their behavior has changed over time to be more middle ocean feeders where they're not feeding around coasts and they'd probably be in a exceptionally small population because it would be hard to sustain any level of number with the caloric intake they would need the amount of food they'd have to eat compared Mm -hmm. to like how much you can find being a mid ocean feeder. Sure. Um, Often a lot of the caloric value is built along coastlines. Mm. Um, but I still think it's. I think it's more likely that we're just seeing a different shark. I, I think the case for it is just a little off. And the other video that I saw that made me think there's something up. Did you see the um, video from the helicopter? It was a uh, rescue helicopter. I thought that was a great whale that they saw. Um, it could have been. I've heard it argued that the fins are wrong, and it's definitely in a range that whales don't go into. Because those, those were sure. the first critiques that um, people pointed out. Is Given the size, it must be a whale. But you don't have them in that area. Sure. Uh, which, it could have been an anomaly. But, and I'm not saying it's impossible for it to have been a whale. Yeah. Because a whale, there are whales that fit, fit that size. The movement, to me, reads a bit more like a shark, and that's what people have said. But, you know, it's through a, it's through a fair amount of water. It's hard to tell. No don't, get me, no, don't get me wrong. I think one of the <laughs> things that we have seen, though, I think we have seen in the last 20 years, I think we have seen a lot of change in marine uh, in sort of in marine wildlife. And so I think that there could be say there could be something that could cause them to to change where they'd have to be. Like maybe they oh, are yeah. hunting in the middle of the ocean as a way to avoid orcas. So I think that might be something they have to do. You know, cuz we we discover stuff about sharks all the time, like recently discovering the megamouth shark. You know, I was watching a really cool uh, thing the other day talking about how bull sharks end up in the Mississippi River. Like, we've had bull sharks that have turned up in Illinois. <laughs> which I oh, think, yeah, oh, yeah. Which I think is kind of because hor- they can, which like, is horrifying. They can deal with fresh water. Yes. That they can that they can that they can move, or maybe maybe that's something that they can do, or maybe they get maybe they get maybe they get deeper in. 
I mean, adaptation, we have like two million years from where they disappear to now. Adaptation could occur, but like large predators like that just really don't pivot that well evolutionarily. <laughs> it's it's something where it's because the, the larger, more complicated the animal, the slower it reproduces, the more uh, cost there is in reproduction, and that makes the like path of evolution go slower because every wheel's turning slower. How complicated is a shark? A, a shark is a very complicated. Sorry, creature. I mean, like, it's a compl- like, complicated for what it has to do. Like, it just has to live, like, typically, like, within warm water. And, like, I think even people's belief, the people's belief of why it died off initially was that because of, I think it was the Ice Age or because it was cooling at the time. And then, yes. and then that theory was disproved. So, well, you know. It was kind of right. Sorry. It was right for the wrong reasons. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. people believe, like, um. The cooling came in, and they couldn't move to the colder waters. It turns out, well, actually, they could to a certain degree. Right. But more likely, it had to do with microplants. And I've heard a few other theories thrown out. But remember, these are all kind of theories. Yeah, that are out there, yeah. <laughs> so maybe something, maybe maybe it went, maybe it went deeper in. I mean, plesiosaurs are likely to, to are, 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 it's possible that they could exist. And that would be a high-calorie intake animal, too, wouldn't it? Um, yes, but most of the plesiosaur sightings, um, okay. I mean, still. The Alvin plesiosaur is, I think, one of the most viable plesiosaur sightings. And I'm not really saying that, um, a animal could not survive and be complex. The issue is more that they adapt at a slower rate and it's more difficult for them to make pivots when there's environmental change. A plesiosaur, yeah, would totally be in a similar uh, similar category. It's uh, although reptiles do kind of have this tendency to be able to adapt a little faster, just to some of the eccentricities of reptiles. Um, but a, like my, what I consider the most viable one is the Alvin plesiosaur, and that had it living fairly low. And if I remember right, it was anchored like upward lights, watching the surface to be this ambush predator. Both of those would kind of. Well, maybe not the ambush parator part, but it living in that deeper water, I think, is already a change in the behavior, meaning that it would have had to have adjusted. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not that big on plesiosaur biology. I don't know how what adjustments it would need. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if that would be a complicated adjustment for it or if it wouldn't be. So like one of the so like okay, so I, I track back to my original argument about why I don't think that it could hide, and I'm sort of like not feeling that argument as much the longer that we talk. Okay. So the the thought is is because I'm thinking of it like a great white, where they come up under something, and that's why you see a lot of these like breaches, where like with like great white yeah. attacks, where they come up and they attack something. Megalodon's not like that. It doesn't need to come up. It just needs to bite, and so there's really not as much of a reason for it to come up if it finds a place within the ocean that it can just exist and just be able to hunt effectively. There might not be a reason for it to come up. Anymore. Um, I don't think it's like definitely known it wasn't a breach attacker though. Right. It could have been. We just don't think it's in the same family as the Great White. Right. That doesn't mean it definitely wasn't like, a breach so attacker. So my, yeah, I'm not saying that it did, but it might not necessarily have to. Or yeah, it probably did. Or or that it probably did. Wouldn't need to. Well, you got you got seven inch teeth. I mean, and you're sixty feet long, and you're just gonna crunch it. I mean, I just don't well, know what else is down there for it to do that to. I it's it's you my know. understanding that breach attackers. It's less about power and more about ambush. Sure. That um, it's more of a means that they can just get on something before yeah. it's really aware it needs to escape. If you get snuck up on by a 67-foot shark, 
That's on you. Uh, <laughs> okay. well, I mean, if it's coming out of the murk of the abyss, <laughs> I mean. I'm just, if you get snuck up on by a 67 <laughs> foot, like 40,000 pound animal. <laughs> like that is on you for, for what just happened. Uh, another thing I wanted to throw out as a possibility for there being something odd out there is, are you familiar with Alpha? Mm-hmm. Okay, once I start telling you this story, I bet you're going to uh, recognize it. A um, group of great whites were tagged um, and then re-released so they could study uh, the patterns of their movement and things like sure. that. Um, Alpha was the first one they tagged, which is, I remember right, was a nine-foot female. Fair, it's not small for a great white, although not near sure, the max. Sure. Um, it kind of swims around the around Australia for a while and then suddenly descends rapidly and then right. goes through a temperature change. Are you remembering this case right. now? Was the, the one where they got attacked by orcas, right? Um, no, it's no. It it orcas have been um, that was thrown around at the time, but at this point, it's been ruled out that it was not an orca attack. Okay. Uh, the issue is the heat change would be totally off for it being an orca. An orca, the temperature change would have had to have been higher because it never got up to the levels you would oh, expect that's right, that's right. They, from the internals of an orca. Yeah, sorry. They, 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 it, they, it goes up first because they flip it upside down. They take it up first. That's right. I'm sorry. Um, but, that's how they attack it. And the other thing is um, whatever did the attack sure. grabbed it and pulled it down to 4,000 feet before it swallowed it. Okay. Which would be off behavior for an orca. Orcas don't normally drag things down super deep and then eat it. Because, well, they want to be kind of close to the surface. Right. Also, they're social. They would probably lose track of their pod and stuff, doing things sure. like that. Um, the There were a lot of things that were considered. Orcas were one, because orcas were in the area. Um, also, like, giant squid were right. considered, and a few other things. Uh, the most likely conclusion ended up being it was another shark. Because the body temperature change only really matched for a shark. A giant squid, would it would have been too cold for a giant squid. It would have been too warm for, say, a sperm whale or... Or, sorry, it wasn't warm enough to be a sperm whale or an orca or, or mammals like that. But it does match for other large sharks. The current running theory is it was a large shark. It was a nine-foot shark, which, according to the biologist, is still large for a great white. Sure. Um... That it ran into a colossal member of its, its species, 20 feet or bigger. Sure. And then, for some reason, it took it down really far before eating it, which seems to be a little bit of odd behavior. Mm-hmm. Is it possible? Sure. I'll take it. I think it's the most viable of anything that came out. But if I am looking at the things that are off... That's already kind of considered to be the low range for a great white. Well, not the max low range, but it, it's lower than they normally hang out. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing where it just grabs it and then drives it deep, deep, deep seems to be odd, uh, odd behavior for a great white. It doesn't well, yeah. seem to be their standard mechanism. But that's one. Of, that's one of the things that led me to the idea of we might have a have a mystery shark out there. Sure. I don't even think when they go down, they don't. I don't think they go down that fast, do they? Uh, this descended fairly quick. That's what I'm saying. I think even um, when sharks descend, they go down slowly. It would need to be. This would be like probably an ambush predator whose sure. strategy is to come up, grab, descend past where other predators are going to fight it, and then devour them. Sure. 
Um, kind of similar to like den hunting, sure. where you're going to grab and pull back. Um, does it fit, I think, very well any documented shark species? No, but the body temperature is fairly correct for a shark species. For nine feet, a megalodon could just swallow <laughs> Yes, but I don't think it was a megalodon. It's right, right. in the wrong sort of area. Right. It's the wrong sort of um, hunting pattern based on our beliefs on how they hunted. Um, like I said, I think it could be a unknown shark species. Sure, that's in there, yeah. I mean, I can't really justify... Like, it's either that or... The other thing that's been, that I've been thinking that uh, might be connected to many of the supposed megalodon sightings is a genetic anomaly. I kind of touched on this earlier. Maybe it was a, gen, a anomalously, anomalously big shark. That's a hard yeah. thing to say right there. <laughs> or another carnivorous type whale that lives down there as well. Like Mammals, the, the body heat would have to be higher. For like a sperm whale? Yeah. Oh, yeah. For a sperm whale, the the temperature that the sensor detected it rising to was not high enough to be a mammal. Sure. Okay. Um, it was, and it wasn't low enough to be a squid. Sure. Um, the only thing that kind of really fit it was something like a shark. Sure. But that's another thing that kind of led me to the idea of we might be talking about an unknown shark species. Now, do I have solid evidence to give you? No, of course not. I'm just someone right, talking right. about like the things I've read and watched. Right. But it seems it seems like a possibility to me, especially with a few of the other images that are floating around out there that are harder to debunk, and a lot of those don't really look like great whites and don't really fit the locations where megalodons are believed to exist. Sure, sure. I think that I. All right, let's go into our final thoughts about whether or not if we think that the megalodon. Like, it is a legit thing. I I have a hard time believing that the megalodon is still existing today because I think its food sources would be closer to the surface, and I think that that's what it would be eating. And I and I, I don't think that it could... I don't think that it could go just completely unnoticed as of today. I don't think that it could. Okay. For what it would need to eat. I was actually writing on the megalodon possible thing for quite a while through my research. But it was based on one thing. The study saying that they survived up to 10 to 15,000 years ago. A jump of them surviving 10 to 15,000 years is not hard to believe. And for those of you who've been like doing research into the subject, I'm sure you've seen it. It pops up on all these top five lists and blogs and stuff like that. The issue is this. When they did that study placing it, 10 to 15,000 years ago, they use a form of magnesium dating that was just not going to be accurate and gave them likely inaccurate results. If that is true, that was the one piece of evidence that was really holding me firmly in the Megalodon probably still around because, you know, if they survived that extinction event and then made it to 10 to 15,000 years ago, I could totally buy that they made it to today. Mm-hmm. But once I, f- I found out it's almost certainly that information was inaccurate. Everything else just kind of fell like a house of cards. Mm-hmm. Um, the fossil record already was supporting really well its disappearance by there being this vacuum created and then seeing things fill that vacuum. <sighs> I hate to break everyone's heart. I really don't think the Meg's out there swimming around causing trouble and such. <laughs> My conclusion is really more along the lines of 
I think there is a larger a shark that's larger than the uh, great white shark that is hanging out. Not in the Marianas Trench. I've heard a lot of people say Marianas Trench. No, no sharks. I don't think a shark's living down there. That's that's a little intense pressure. But hanging out in the darker areas of the ocean, probably an ambush predator, possibly diurnal where it's coming up to hunt at night near the surface, descending back down during the day. We see that sort of behavior with giant squids, so it's a strategy that works. I think that it's probably a darker color because some of the, a lot of these videos sh- that showing the ones that I can't rule out seem to be depicting something of a darker color. And I can't give you a solid on how big it is, but I strongly think it might be big enough to take out a nine-foot great white <laughs> named Alpha. <laughs> um, that's kind of my conclusion after mm. looking at it all is Megalodon, maybe not Mystery Shark. Yeah, maybe something. Yeah, yeah. that might be something. I don't shark. think they're a big population if they're out there. No, but I, I think there. I think there's there's some viability there. Mm-hmm. So, what do you guys think? Do you guys think that the megalodon is is still out there swimming around? If so, what, how do you think it's still surviving? Um, what do you guys think some of the sightings are? What do you guys think about the theories that me and Vic threw out? Um, would orcas hunt them to extinction? Is there another mystery shark that's out there that we're just unaware of out there in the middle of the ocean? Um, put your thoughts in your comments below. If you guys are listening to this, uh, uh, make sure you guys leave a like, leave a review, comment. It's one of some of the best ways to help out the channel. So, but until next time, guys, keep believing. Because we'll keep listening. All right, guys, we're going to slide into the Pillow Talk section of this podcast. If you want to check out the rest of this awesome podcast, go over to our Patreon and sign up. For as little as a dollar a month, you get the rest of this awesome podcast, as well as bonus episodes that we've put up exclusively for our patrons. And we are back, and uh, in our break, I, I calmed Vic down from uh, the, the possum sighting. You know, <laughs> it was just so you know, weird. Uh, I had to react to it. Uh, you know, apparently uh, Vic uh, was Hoosiers get really excited whenever we see <laughs> possums. Uh, it just makes our day. Uh, you know, something other than corn that we can see. Well, he popped into the window, just kind of looked at me, and then just left. <laughs> yes. Like what possums do. <laughs> like, like that is what they do. So, we, we yeah. So, in the whole uh, regular episode, we just talked about Megalodon. We thought that maybe... There's one more thing I would throw out about. Oh, sure, sure.
Thank <laughs> you.